What's up, everybody? This is episode seven of the Off Balance 3, Carmelo Anthony's number. One of the greatest volume shooters in the history of the NBA. Oh, and I should note that today I stumbled upon a very impressive stat. Just in case you thought the Golden State Warriors couldn't be more dominant and awesome, there's this. Draymond Green is the first player in NBA history with at least 1,000 points, 500 rebounds, 500 assists, 100 steals, and 100 blocks in a season. The first player in NBA history. It's pretty impressive. So shout out to Draymond. Shout out to Foot Locker. Shout out to Mouth Breathers. Good for you, man. Uh, In this episode, it's very Minnesota. And by that, I mean it's cold. It's frigid. But I talked to comedian Brian Miller, who's a contributor to CrookedScoreboard.com, also a writer for Quick Snaps. So we talk a, a lot about the Vikings, football, comedy writing, and even some Bill Hicks and Doug Stanhope. So without further ado, here's Brian Miller on the Off Balance 3. Nice finally talking to you in person, by the way. I've been listening to the Quick Snaps for a long time. I was going to say the same thing, man. We've been working indirectly together for a little while now. I realize that in a, in, in a weird way, I kind of wind, you're, you're like, in a weird way, sometimes you're like the only person I write certain jokes for, only because the only time I hear anyone react to those football jokes, it's you. Like, I mean, I know Kostaki reacts, but I see him type out like, I like that one, or let's change that. So the only time I hear the joke told and reacted to is your reaction. So basically your reaction determines if I think a joke works or not. I'm like a gatekeeper for your football yeah, joke. I mean, yeah, I know, because if, if you're going to let one go by, I'm like, oh man, Aaron's reaction really didn't sell that. Or if you crack up, I'm like, oh, that one was good. Oh, okay. Let me give you a, a proper introduction here. We're talking to Brian Miller, comedian who's been on The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. He's a writer for The Quick Snap Show, which is a podcast that I co-host with Kostaki Economopoulos. And yes, not taking anything away from Kostaki, but you probably write ninety percent of his jokes. <laughs> it's probably, but it's honestly, it's probably about fifty, forty or fifty percent on the podcast. You think ninety's too high? Ninety's a little. High. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean he it, reads them really well. It always frustrates me because he's such a good joke writer that he always finds a way to word it a little bit better, and it's like he never made it makes it worse ever. But, yeah, but every now and then he'll just find a way to just like remove one word and change one thing, and I'm like, oh, that's so much better. He he is a brilliant joke writer, as as are you. Well, thank you. I am envious of both of you guys because I just don't have the discipline or talent that either of you have. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, but but you're the key laugher, you see. You're the key reactor. <laughs> if it wasn't for this, I wouldn't even know when they were good. I didn't even consider that. My reaction kind of uh, plays into. Your creative process. <laughs> in a certain way. Because I don't, um, you know, he does them on Bob and Tom as well, but right. we don't get Bob and Tom here in Minneapolis. So I don't really have, a, I mean, I guess I could go online and listen to him, but I usually listen to the podcast because um, for those who uh, have not listened to the Crooked uh, Scoreboard uh, linked uh, Quick Snaps podcast, the you know, there's the radio segments he does, Kostaki does for Bob and Tom and other places. He does slices of the jokes or sections of the jokes but the podcast is usually the repository for like the full set it's so much better than bob and tom segment (laughs) is it i've never i've never listened to like i said the the bob and tom segment because i've never been able to i've heard it 
It's okay, but you know, I'm just starting a podcast slash radio war right now. Perfect. I love it. You're next, Opie and Anthony. You're <laughs> in. Opie. Which side are you on, Brian? You gonna ride but, or you gonna die? <laughs> but you know, they. Uh, it, it is true though on the on the radio. You know, he can't do the sweary ones or the like the super mean ones. <laughs> right. That's that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Often mine. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's good to finally talk to you because we've been you know working together in a way, and uh, I, I've actually. Yeah. I've been checking out some of your your stand up, man. It's very funny. Oh, thanks, thank you. To please tell someone in the industry. <laughs> I guess I'm industry. I don't know. Hey. Yeah, you're industry. <laughs> seriously, I gotta get you played on Raw Dog for sure. Yeah, no, that will be great. That will be great. Yeah, but you're obviously a big sports fan. Yeah, you know what's interesting? Um, I've always been kind of a sports fan, but oh. Kostaki's the one who got me into football. You're kidding. I was never like I used to watch high school football, especially um, when I was a kid. I lived in a, a really small town, Metropolis, Illinois, uh, hometown of Superman. Uh, wow. Not really, but that's what they say. Yeah. Who, who's they? It's the- a, uh, the town fathers. It's a, a town of about 7000 people in far southern Illinois, hmm. right by Kentucky. And uh, in the 70s. This town, so it always had been Metropolis, Illinois, for many years. They signed a deal with DC Comics to let them become the official hometown of Superman, and they changed the street name to Lois Lane, and they changed the paper to be called the Daily Planet, even though it's weekly. Uh, and they have like a, a hokey celebration, and it's a whole thing. Holy so, cow! So, how long did you live there? Oh, man, nine years, I think. Okay, and then you yeah. moved to where? Went from I was born in Paducah, Kentucky, and then spent a lot of time in Metropolis, and then um, Marion, Illinois, uh, home of a famous federal prison, uh, and then some time in Carbondale, Illinois, home of the uh, SIU, and uh, Chicago for a few years too. But now I'm in Minneapolis for nine years now. Uh, okay, all right. So when you moved around, did the the Superman traits follow you around? Did you pick up anything? I, I yeah, I like to think of myself as a you know a, a close proximity to super not the new one the old one not the new guy you know did you see the, nice the old guy did you see the batman versus superman oh yeah i'm also i write movie reviews for a newspaper as well um oh cool so, uh, shout it out yeah. oh yeah oh, oh yeah uh nightlife is the paper carbondalerocks.com is the website uh, i got reviews up every week and my batman superman review will be up thursday morning okay i'm not a big comic book guy so i haven't seen this movie or a lot of the comic Book movies that come out recently. I know this latest one got panned pretty bad by the critics. Did, yeah. Did you hate it as much as most people did? Probably more. Yeah. I really? really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it just, uh, it, I just really, it wasn't even a movie. It was just uh, a collection of vaguely related scenes. Uh, you know, if it was like, if it would have been two notches weirder, it would have been like Terrence Malick's version of a superhero movie. Almost artistic on accident. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know, it's like uh, there's a certain point where ineptitude becomes a kind of brilliance or it sort of shifts something, you know, like the uh, the Shags, that famous uh, sister singing group from the 60s or like Manos, the Hands of Fate. I mean, this is coming close for a blockbuster movie to Manos levels of like gaudy incompetence, you know, like The Room or uh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Sure. I was going to bring up Pootie Tang as an example. Oh, I love Pootie Tang. Thank you. <laughs> What's not to love? But it's like it's a great it's, movie. It's, Louis C.K. directed. Of course. Of course. The football, though, you're, I, I digress on your question. No, no, but, no. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I'll, I'll bring you back. But back to yeah. yeah we, we started. I started doing shows with Kostaki, and he was working on the sports segment. And so we would just during the day, he'd be like, "I'm writing these sports jokes." I'm like, "Well, I'll help you do that." And I'm just sitting around. And so I didn't actually watch a. T- I watched the NFL some, but not that much. Not like religiously. 
And then I started doing the sports jokes and then I started watching football to write more jokes. But then I got crazy addicted to the NFL. And so now it's just like a, a problem that I have. <laughs> so how has it become a problem for you? I mean, it's like, you know, I just spend, it's probably spend, I mean, I guess I can write it off as a business expense now. <laughs> I, <laughs> Did I you spend do an inordinate amount of time, like reading books about football and w listening to football podcasts of many stripes and uh, reading, uh, I mean, just, you know, watching old Vikings game on YouTube. You know, and then during the when the season's on, it's uh, an absorbing, an all-encompassing kind of thing. You know, is it mostly Vikings or do you have? I mean, I watch team? every game I can. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah, my favorite. Here's what I love about the NFL, and something I think is not pointed out often enough is that I like narrative, and you can follow the entire NFL as a narrative. If you watch, if you think about it, if you watch four games a week, which is or five games a week, which is Thursday, three Sundays, and a Monday, which I do. You see a calculable percentage of the total games in a season. You know, you see probably 20% of the games, 15% of the games, mm -hmm. and then all the playoffs. And so you can just sort of take in the whole NFL and just follow it. But like baseball, you got to watch 160 freaking Twins games to follow the Twins, just the Twins. You can't do it. But you cannot follow baseball the way you follow football because of its kind of awesome limitations. Yeah, I think we, we actually discussed that in the, the last episode. Just the length of the baseball season is too long. It has to be shortened. And, oh, it's brutal. And the, the NFL is great because every week matters. Every yeah. single game matters, and so you're in. you got to watch. you got to be committed to it. Yeah, you really can't miss like, even ho I love hockey. I used to play hockey. It's a great sport. Um, but uh, I, I never can follow the whole season. I always kind of dial in kind of midwinter. And then, you know, and but like I would never do that with football. You can't miss the first four. But, you know, by the time uh, the first week of September comes around, I'm going to be freaking out. Like I'd watch the Bucks play the Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's torture in some countries. Preseason is like watching someone smoke stems and seeds. You're like, oh, you're barely getting anything off that. But I totally <laughs> respect that you're trying. Yeah. <laughs> So you're watching every Vikings game now. Yeah, every Vikings game for sure. And then, you know, I don't have cable. Well, I just now actually got cable. Um, but I hadn't had cable up until like six months ago. But you could watch um, Thursday night CBS and then uh, Fox and CBS and NBC on Sunday. And then I'm always um, – I work every Monday at Acme Comedy Club here in Minneapolis. And so I always watch the Monday night football game with the other comics in the bar at, uh, at Acme. You should record that conversation, make it a podcast. Oh, it's fun. Cy Amundsen, who is just a hilarious guy. Uh, Greg Coleman, by the way, uh, Greg Coleman, super funny comedian uh, in Minneapolis, up-and-coming guy. Uh, his dad, Greg Coleman Sr., was uh, the Vikings punter, and I believe the second black punter in the NFL, I think? Maybe first. Phenomenal punter, great play-by-play -play caller, and uh, a good dude. So sitting around with Greg and Cy and... Shout at the TV, Nick the bartender, and we all get worked up. It's fun. He's got to have some amazing insight. He oh, absolutely, because you'll be like, oh, Greg, what's up? And he's like, ah, man, Mike Wallace has been sick this week, but you got to watch Diggs, man. He's going to be the guy. Like, Greg Coleman was telling me Diggs was going to be good way before anybody knew Diggs was going to be good. Yeah. What about uh, Mike Wallace? He left and he's taking parting shots at Teddy Bridgewater. Uncool. I, I don't like Mike Wallace. I mean, people, people, he, he, it's a bad match because Teddy doesn't throw deep balls. So it's already like yeah. a, you know, you're already pairing, uh, it's like a romantic comedy. You know, you got your like your oaf and then your, your prince, your Catherine Heigl. 
uh, you know, Mike Wallace is Catherine Heigl and Teddy's just like a dude. And uh, but it doesn't work in the movies. You know, in the movies it works. It doesn't work in real life. Yeah, but they were a bad match anyway. But Mike Wallace wasn't good for the Dolphins, and Tannehill throws a decent deep ball. I think that's probably all he he does well. Exactly, throw I mean, it very far. The best thing you can say for Wallace, and I don't, I don't like have animosity for him, but I mean, he was dropping some really easy short passes. I think he's always been a one-trick pony, even when he was in uh, Pittsburgh. I mean, it's uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. The greatest decision they ever made was giving Antonio Brown the money instead of Mike Wallace. Oh yes, that, I mean that was like genius on top of genius in retrospect, right? <laughs> it's like, holy smokes! But uh, you know what's interesting is that the, the Ravens have one trick, which is that Joe Flacco throws the ball as far as he can, and then they wait for the refs to throw a flag. So now that they have a guy who can actually run for the ball and get close enough to it that they can start getting those penalties again, they might win the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's an interesting offensive strategy. Don't you think that's – I despise the Ravens for that reason. I feel like the, that year they won the Super Bowl, every game was won by three pass interference penalties. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't respect Flacco the way that most people do. I, I think he's a very average quarterback. You know, he reminds me in a weird way of a, a more talented dude, which is a Dominic Hoshik, the old Buffalo Sabres goalie. Wow. Um, yeah, deep cut, right? Hoshik was a great goalie, actually. He had like a preternatural sense to stop the puck. But the most infuriating thing about Hoshik was was also a brilliant thing about him, which is that was back when the crease in the NHL was a really big deal. And like if a player was like had like a, a skate lace in the crease, they got a penalty and the goal didn't count. And Hoshik just played those rules to the hilt. He just, you know, he used the goalie, the, you know, don't hit the goalie, don't hit the goalie. He used all that and the crease. Just a, just a maximum advantage. And I feel like Flacco does that with the pass interference rules right now where he's like, hey, if you're going to throw a, a flag on every fifth time, I'm going to throw five 50-yard passes. <laughs> Why not, right? Why, Why not? I mean, not? it makes great sense. Just like with Hashik, It's like I can't deny that you should do that. He's like, I feel like Belichick – I'm surprised Belichick doesn't do it more often. Well, I mean, Tom Brady is actually a pretty good yeah. quarterback. You know, he That's could actually true. he could actually just throw it to the guy fifty yards yeah, away. He so. could do it conventionally. Yeah. What do you think of uh, Jimmy Garoppolo? Do you think that uh, he'll get a shot maybe this year? To you know, maybe he'll get that four game shot that he was hoping for last year. Yeah, part of me almost thinks that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be like he's going to he's going to be like one of those comedians who opens for a famous guy. <laughs> For so long that all he can really do is open for the famous guy. Ah. You know, I feel like if you're a backup for too long, you just become a backup. People don't emerge six years in anymore with no experience. It's like, you know, it's like you're at some point you just become Charlie Whitehurst and it's over. How do you feel about your coach, Mike Zimmer? Because, you know, from listening to Quick Snaps podcast, I love the guy. Oh, I think Zimmer is amazing. I think first off, I think he's just straight up a good coach. Just he's a really Just strategy good wise and leader of men. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, he, he he took a squad that was the Vikings aren't talent deficient, but they're certainly talent unique. You know, you kind of gotta like they're kind of like the Vikings are like a like a tough cut of beef. Like you can make them good, but you got to know what to do with them. You know, they don't have the obvious appeal of some teams. And uh, Zimmer just knows what to do with it, and I think they're going to be strong next year. Also, I love. A cranky old guy, like I, I just love it, and so I love when he's cranky and short, and he's because he, he's never mean like uh, like Belichick. He's just like has no polish to him. Like he wouldn't even know what polish was. Tough talk with Minnesota Vikings coach 
Mike Zimmer. Yeah, what do you want me to talk about? Yeah, hey coach. Aaron Hodges here from Quick Snaps, the podcast. You've been banished to the mailroom basement for a long time. Now that you've been promoted, do you feel like you've finally been shown the proper amount of respect? Uh, well, sometimes you wonder, but uh, I have a lot of confidence in myself. I feel like um, I was destined to do this. You know, for the first couple of days I've been here, that office upstairs feels really comfortable. So uh, I'm excited about it. And uh, I've told a lot of people, I've got a chip on my shoulder. I want to make sure that 31 other teams know that I'm here and I'm, I'm ready. He's just all red-faced and scowly, and I just I think he's terrific. Would you change his voice if you could? He does have a little bit of a Dan the High Talker from Seinfeld going on, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I love the most about him. It's just that the, the voice does not match the body. I would expect I, Tom Coughlin's voice to come out of him. Definitely. You know, although, you know, I always have a feeling that, like, it's those things that make guys tough. It's like, uh, why is Todd Gurley such a great runner? It's because his last name's Gurley. Uh, yeah, he had something to prove. He had Tom Cruise syndrome. Like, he was born into it. He also might be a little bit stupid. You ever hear him talk? <laughs> he might be. He might be. I don't know. The jury's out, but I'm sure we'll find out with Hard Knocks because he's going to be Oh, a, I'm excited about that. Focus I, I'm actually excited that. to see the team move. I, I'm not the Rams, but I'm just, I think it'll be interesting to see that process documented. You're just a big fan of moving companies? or oh. <laughs> like, whoa, whoa. I, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what it's like for an NFL player to move which we already have seen some but then to see like what's the process of it's not starting a new franchise and it's it's also bringing back this old franchise but like how are they going to try to sell it like i hope they focus more not entirely but more on the kind of pr element than they have before because i think that's as interesting as anything on the field god knows the team's gonna be boring as hell yeah i don't know i can't think of any characters that are on there that that stand out no, the Case Keenum show. Everyone's excited to see that. Jeff Fisher is so mediocre and like the gods are boring to watch. And so it's going to be it's funny that L.A., which is like the most fickle sports town in the world, got the hardest to root for. What are you going to go into L.A. and tell a bunch of people? No, trust me. The defensive line is great. <laughs> like They don't care. I just want to see Jim McMahon again. Oh, sure. Yeah. Him, him and the eight A's of L.A. reacts, I think, to the whole team. Yeah, it's it's very exciting. Are you a Timberwolves guy at all? Um, no, I'm not a basketball guy. That's this is probably a sport that I I probably could name ten NFL or NBA players. Maybe maybe ten. My little brother told me today that he was gonna um, abandon the Knicks, and he I felt like he was confessing that to me, and I thought that was very strange because I've made it pretty clear that I've abandoned the Knicks and I'm no longer a fan. So I was like, buddy, you don't have to run <laughs> run this by me. <laughs> He's like, I'm thinking about maybe becoming a Timberwolves fan. And I said, oh. I, I think that's a great choice between uh, Andrew Wiggins, Zach Levine. Oh, I know Andrew Wiggins and uh, yeah, 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 Wiggins. And oh, Kevin Love. I know Kevin Love. There you There's go. Did, did, you know, you, did you watch the dunk contest with uh, Zach Levine? Oh, no, I, I root for the Timberwolves the way I root for like democratic countries in foreign wars. You know, it's, it's like I've probably never been there, and I don't really know any of the people, but they seem like they're on the right side. Right. You know, they're from Minneapolis. Okay. <laughs> Such an interesting analogy that I think only you would make. Th- that's a compliment. <laughs> Have you heard the story about the Chicago White Sox player Adam LaRoche quitting the baseball team? Yeah, 
Yeah. You know, uh, I am totally against him, and I'm totally for the White Sox, who are my mortal enemies as a Cubs fan, because I used to live right by Wrigley, and so I, I still root for the Cubs, uh, even though I can't watch more than, you know, I can only catch a scant 74 of their games, so I can't really follow them. What a fair weather fan you are. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, but I hate the White Sox on principle as a Chicago guy from the north side, but um, I'm just like, bringing your kid to the, it would drive me nuts. If one of my comedian friends just constantly had his kid in the green room. Yeah. That was so, terrible. So just to catch people up in case they haven't heard, I think it was actually he Adam LaRoche was nominated the loser of the week on CrookedScoreboard.com. I think it's fascinating to me because basically Adam LaRoche was bringing his kid to spring training just about every day. And his kid is like 14 years old. And I guess the White Sox asked him to dial it back a little bit, maybe bring him half the time. And Adam LaRoche said, well, you know what? I'm just going to quit if I can't bring my kid to work every single day. The only question that I have is what 14-year-old wants to spend that much time with his parents? Oh, well, an unfortunate one, because if you read a little deeper in the article, they ask LaRoche, what about when your kid's at school? And he said, my wife and I don't really think he learns anything valuable at school. We think he'll learn more in the clubhouse. So this puts him to me squarely in the camp of the insane religious people who homeschool their kids because they're they're disinterested in their kid learning anything outside of their own narrow purview. Ah, I see. I see. Plus... He reminds me also of those people, you know, when you, you have that friend who brings their dog to every party and every softball game mm-hmm. and, you know, just like, you like bring your dog sometimes, but like, I got a couple cats. I don't just have the carriers around with me still. Oh, here, Mike, I'm just going to let my cat loose in your car for a while while we drive to North Dakota or whatever, you know, like. Yeah. And you at least have to ask permission before you, you bring that dog over to somebody else's house. You listening, my brother? Huh? <laughs> Huh? And on top of that, here's the thing. Here's what here's you know what there's the, the as Nixon would say the silent majority. I guarantee you, there's a giant chunk of the White Sox who really want him to stop bringing his kid around all the time. But you look like a huge jerk if you're the guy to say it. Like it's easy to be the guy who's like I support it because it's an easy, friendly sounding cause. But it's totally reasonable to not want that kid there. I'm with you as well. I, I think it's perfectly reasonable for the White Sox to ask him to dial it back. And he took an extreme position and just flat out retiring. Yeah, and weird negotiating. It was like it was like it was like he's like, all right, I want a hundred percent. And they were like, what about sixty? And he was like, I can't believe you would say that I'm leaving. What? Yeah, it, it almost seems like it was premeditated, and that's the way he wanted this whole thing to go. So, yeah, that's that's very interesting. No kids for you, right? No, no, I'm childless and I don't really like kids. You know what's going to be great? I hope that he's going to turn 15 and he's going to get like a septum piercing and he's going to start like uh, uh, reading Charles Bukowski and reject sports. And it's going to serve LaRoche right or whatever his name is. I want to jump into the, the piece you wrote on CrookedScoreboard.com comparing Chip Kelly to one of the greatest characters of all time, Stringer Bell from The Wire. Yeah, I, you know, I, uh, I was uh, talking to my brother-in-law who's a Philly fan. And uh, and then I was I was having two conversations. I was talking to my stepdad about the wire and my brother-in-law about Philly. And I was like, it occurred. I was like, oh, somehow I crossed the wires, you know. And I was like, oh man, Chip is Stringer Bell. Like that's it. Except the difference is I love Stringer Bell and I can't stand Chip Kelly. <laughs> Stringer Bell was too smart for his own good. That's the crux of your 
argument on the piece. Yeah, the, the, I always thought it was interesting that, that in The Wire, you know, I would say spoiler alert, but it's been out for a decade. Like People can catch up. Uh, but the, the idea that Stringer was really, in a certain way, the best suited to run the gang, but that he just didn't have the gang mentality. That there's a certain element of the game, as they call in The Wire, you know, that like, no, you're on the street. You're dealing drugs. you got to deal with that. And I feel like Chip Kelly sometimes doesn't want to deal with the day-to-day. He's like, ugh. Oh, all these people have these personalities and attitudes and they're cocky. It's like, yeah, because they're the best football players in the world. Like, that's going to happen, Chip. You know, it's like he's like he wants to work with a bunch of like really quiet, humble Japanese kids. You're like you're like 12 years old learning to play the violin and they're really deferential. And it's like, yeah, it's, that's not what you got, buddy. You got a bunch of 25 year old alpha males. Mm-hmm. You know? And it, it does seem like he gets rid of anybody with personality. I mean, I, I get like you want people with a good attitude, but. He seems to take that two steps beyond. Do you think there's something to the racism charges that were being thrown at him? Or is it just like... It's interesting. I'm, I'm always hesitant when people want to just jump to that, and I'm always hesitant to agree with Deshaun Jackson on pretty much anything. <laughs> or I'm sorry, LaShawn McCoy. Uh, mixing up my former evil Eagles blank Shawns. Well, I uh, think Deshaun was <laughs> in on that too. Yeah, I think Deshaun did get on that. But LaShawn was kind of... was in. I, but at the same time, I think it's a correlation of like... I just think, you know, there's the element of like, I mean, you know, Peyton Manning is kind of the white athlete icon to some degree, right? The, oh, shucks, ma'am, I'm blah, blah, even if it's BS. Sure. And then Muhammad Ali is the brash guy. And I think it's just like the brashness is what Chip Kelly doesn't like. And I think it's just like a, uh, it's a, not a coincidence, what they call a, a correlation, not a causation with, you know, maybe with more black athletes. But it doesn't look good for him <laughs> and it doesn't work. <laughs> so there's that. If Chip Kelly is indeed Stringer Bell, does that make Mike Zimmer Avon Barstow? Ooh, I was trying to figure out who Avon would be. I was, I, I was, I was almost for that piece. I almost did like a Wire characters corresponding list, and it just kind of felt a little superfluous. I was thinking that uh, somebody's got to be Marlo. Who's creeping up? Who's Marlo? Ooh. I think Pete Carroll be Marlo. No, 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 no. Too old, I guess. Too old and. He's too soft. Marlo, I mean, you looked at his eyes and you thought you were going to die. He was going to kill you. That's true. So it'd have to be someone really intimidating and still nonchalant. I guess it would have to be, I guess it would have to be Tomlin. Tomlin's got the look, but maybe, maybe like one of those young guys, like maybe Gase, just because he's like young and upcoming, you know, because Marlo kind of comes out of nowhere and he, he surprises you. Did you see, by the way, I just saw this today, uh, this Tomlin, (laughs) he iced the kicker at a pro day. Wait, What? How do you yeah. do that? He was at the I forget what pro day it was, and it was there was some kicker who was you know was working out, and Tomlin iced him on a fifty yarder just to see how he'd react. Did, <laughs> he, I, he walked onto the field and yelled timeout while the kid's trying to kick. You're you're kidding me. No, and then the kid nailed it. That's I mean that's dedication. That's no days off. No, I love that though. It's like I thought about him. It's like that's kind of brilliant from Tomlin's perspective, and then good for the kid. Do you really you believe know? in the icing the kicker? You know, as a Vikings fan, I'm just so terrified of kickers. Of course, yeah. I mean, you must still be traumatized from that missed kick against the Seahawks. You know what's funny? I There was a story at NFL.com just a couple days ago about Blair Walsh, and it occurred to me that I had literally blocked it out. I hadn't thought about it for like at least a month. I was so focused on the new season and a lot of great stuff going on, and then I just remembered the moment, and I just – it just – I withered inside. It hurts so – I mean – I, I, I was on my feet when I was watching that game and my wife was watching me watch the game and he kicked it 
And I, I just I, – I withered. I just sunk to, to my knees and then to the ground. And I just laid on the ground on my belly and moaned on my own living room floor. How long? Honestly, probably too one long. and a half to two minutes. <laughs> Not like super long, but like definitely more than one good moaning. Like it was several moans. Is your wife into it as much as you are? Not no, <laughs> but so, she's not an anti-football lady. Yeah, uh, and she's my wife is a very smart lady, and um, so she she does work, and you know she kind of half keeps up with the games. But it always she's sneaky impressive when she makes call, you know like uh, she'll like no re- weird rules or like semi-obscure player names, or she was she impressed a uh, she's a corporate lady, but there's like a kind of a, a warehouse component to her office. And these dudes were listening to radio, and I guess Dave Damashek was was on. And she walked in, and she just heard his voice, and she goes, "Oh, you guys are listening to Dave Damashek." And they were like, "What the hell?" Is that a Minneapolis radio guy? No, no, Dave Damashek is a. Uh, he used to write for the Man Show. He has a podcast ah. on NFL.com. And I just generally am a big Damashek fan. I've always thought he was. Uh, he was Adam Carolla's sports guy back in the day. I've God. always thought he was really funny. I gotta keep up with uh, with the Man Show spinoffs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Damashek's breaking out of the mold only 15 scant years later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that Doug Stanhope appears to be a, a very big NFL fan. I wouldn't picture that from him. Oh, he's nuts. You know, Stanhope, uh, I've had the, the good fortune to get to hang out with him a couple of times. And what's funny is that for all his kind of iconoclastic comedy, which is totally honest and amazing, he's kind of just a dude. He's a really genuinely regular kind of blue collar guy. I just looked up iconoclastic. <laughs> <laughs> In fairness, stuff was Stanhope, but he was still—he's still smarter than me. <laughs> You're way too smart to be talking to me. Thank you for <laughs> blessing me with your presence. Uh, yeah, I am very surprised. Uh, he has a ten-minute bit on his latest album. I think it was called 60 Inches of Aids on Any Given Sunday." <laughs> I don't, I don't I haven't know. If, heard that? You yet. haven't heard it? Oh, it's so good. It's so good. He kind of talks about people making a big deal out of supporting charities and doing doing a fun run for no reason. Like, just donate the money. Like, (laughs) you don't have to bother going through the motions of this stupid event. Just donate the money. And then just talks about how much he loves football. And I couldn't believe it. It just seems... That's why he's a real iconoclast. That's why he's a genuine... um, You know, a lot of people fake... Like I love Bill Hicks. He's my favorite comedian of all time. But a lot of like, sort of fakers out there, they sort of pick – you pick a position like like gay marriage, which if you're in a city, people are probably on board for. And then you go, you know, there's a lot of people out there who don't, don't appreciate gay marriage. Those guys suck, right? And it's like that's not really taking a bold stance when you are where you are. You know, like I agree with it. But like Stanhope will go in front of a bunch of weird, grungy punk kids and extol the virtues of the NFL. <laughs> you know, like – Sometimes being super mainstream is way more intense and and uh, and unique than than just sort of always defining yourself by the opposite. What did you like about Bill Hicks that much? Because this is a debate that I'm currently having with some people that I work with in the the comedy department up at Sirius well, XM. Because to to me, he like I don't get it. Obviously, I'm probably too young to have really gotten into the Bill Hicks thing. But listening back to him and I'm not trying to disrespect the guy's legacy or whatever but it, it just seems like to me it's a lot more ranting and and yelling than it is funny well what's interesting okay so I, I can in, in true Bill Hicks fashion I will say I can prove Bill Hicks was great on scratch paper as Bill Hicks would say 
Bill Hicks is the one of the most complete comedians who ever lived. Okay, and that's what people don't appreciate him because when you, especially if you if you kind of go by like the you know philosophy, the greatest hits album, or everybody wants to focus on Arizona Bay and Rantney Minor, which are great. And if you listen, you know, if you particularly listen to Sirius, you hear the greatest hits bits, the ones that people, the rack war, which are the ones that really stuck. But what's interesting is when you start getting to Bill Hicks's like deeper cuts and his earlier albums and a lot of the stuff on uh, the essential Bill Hicks, which is an amazing multi-DVD CD set, um, is he had so much silliness to him. And when you watch all his act, so much of it was not political. It was gentle and observational. He's a, an incredibly graceful physical comedian, a pretty impressive mimic, does some great character voices. He really could do it all. And And before he became the – which was really the latter phase of his career, the angry post Kinnison black suit wearing screamy guy. He was sort of a, I don't know, a, a little, a little less singular, but also just kind of a complete game guy. He was, you know, he could play both sides of the field basically. I guess I got to give him a, a deeper look. Yeah, go watch early. Try to find like a nice early Bill Hicks. Like watch stuff about like him talking about his parents and the uh, Elmer Dinkley character. And a bunch of that old stuff. Ninja Bachelor Party is really funny. That really old stuff. I mean, so much of it, like he, he's got that great bit about uh <laughs> about coffee's just being too big. And uh and he, and he goes into the gas station and he's like, oh, the guy says, You want the 72 ounce or the large? He's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like Do you want the large? You gotta pull around the back, I'll get the pump started. <laughs> and uh, Hicks has this great line where he's like, That's too much coffee, man. I'm not even a person anymore. I'm just skin covering coffee. <laughs> That it's is a great like line. That. Yeah, I'll give him a look. I I did watch a uh, Netflix special, this documentary on Bill Hicks. I can't remember the the name yep, of it. Uh, of American of something. I think so. Yeah. Well, they used like they kind of animated still photos. Yeah. Kinda. And it was a. I felt like it was more about his journey with psychedelic drugs than it was about his comedy. Yep. See, everybody, people. People kind of Billy is kind of a Rorschach comedian in a way because like hippies want to put all the hippies want to get into him because of the drugs and lefties want to get into him for the anti-Bush stuff. But the reality of it is if Hicks was around during the Obama administration, he would have been slagging on the left. And I think he would have probably I don't think he would have like said like, oh, no more drugs. Drugs are bad. But I think he would have evolved out of that. I think that was a, a thing he was into, but it certainly didn't define him and definitely not his comedy which is so nuanced. And also, by the way, he he was like one of the first guys to like talk about porn, for instance, which now is like the hackiest thing in the world. Sure. But I mean, at the time, like, he was the, the only guy who was talking about stuff like that great bit about um, uh, <laughs> being afraid that he's going to get busted for not returning the, the porn video. And he goes into court and his uh, <laughs> the Manuel, the porn video guy, has been forced to testify against him. And he's like, Manny, I saw. Sorry, Mister Hicks, they subpoena me. <laughs> so, what about uh, current comedians? That uh, are, are there any that you're digging right now, that or that you look up to that you're like, man, I really admire this guy's skills. Oh, for sure, uh, it's, it's a ton of them. Um, I mean, I think quietly, not that quietly, because he's very famous. But I mean, Gary Goldman is so good. Love Gary. Gary Goldman is so good. People know how good Gary Goldman is, and they still don't know how good Gary Goldman is. Yeah, he's yeah. He's that good. Uh, Lori Kilmartin is one of my favorite joke writers. She is, I mean, she's a great on stage, but like, oh my gosh, the craft of her jokes and the intelligence of her jokes, and they're, they're so great on Twitter, and they're so great when she's live. Um, she's terrific. You know, um, Cy Amundsen, my buddy from Minneapolis, is, is crazy good. Maybe the best comic that everybody doesn't know 
that everybody should know is Chad Daniels. Oh, yeah, yeah. I actually am new to Chad Daniels as well. My buddy introduced me to him uh, sometime last year. So Chad funny. Is a he is beast. so good. I mean, I've seen him. I, he, uh, I was an Acme last week, and Chad popped in to do a guest spot. And so uh, he's doing a spot before my feature set, which is always like, all right, you're going to have to be good because you're following Chad. Yeah. And he's up there crushing the audience reacted real weird to one of his jokes. Like they turned on him real fast and he gets real quiet and then he just leans into the mic and says, I hope you 80% of you were killed by ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> and then some people laugh really hard and then he kind of reconsiders. He goes, nope, nope, 85. I hope 85% <laughs> of you were killed by ISIS. <laughs> and Andy Erickson, by the way, my friend Andy Erickson is one to watch. Two people, two of my really good friends that are just really taken off right now who deserve every bit of it. Um, Andy Erickson, who was great on Last Comic Standing and then uh, my pal Emily Galati who just did Conan last week, and man, she is just a tremendous, just fearless joke writer. Well, hopefully the audience will dive a little deeper and check out their stuff. I, I really appreciate you coming on, man. It was a fun conversation with yeah, you. Yeah, let's do it again. Any, anytime, man. I, I'm down. I'd love to have you back on. We'll make it a recurring thing, especially when the football season gets oh, back yeah. on. Oh, yeah. You know what? You, you know what be kind of a fun segment? I should write down all the jokes that I think are great that Kostaki doesn't use. <laughs> I'll do, uh, I'll do Dude. Like the quick snap B-sides. Yes. All my angry jokes that don't make it. <laughs> yes. That's, that's but, brilliant. We should actually do that. It'd be funny, too, because then you'd see what a good judge of comedy he is. Because you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> you're totally right. Well, thanks, man. Everybody, if you want to check out Brian Miller, do stand-up. And I can vouch. He's a very funny guy. It's Brian Miller Comedy. That's Brian with a Y. Yes, BrianMillerComedy.com. I see you got some dates in Illinois. I just got back to that. Boise, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm in Chicago this weekend, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, March, the last day of March, and April 1st and 2nd. I'll be at uh, the Comedy Bar in downtown Chicago. And then it'll be at Acme Comedy Company uh, Wednesday through Saturday of the following week, first full week of April, with uh, Kevin Bozeman, who's really great. Nice. And uh, I think me and Kostaki might be doing a date in South Dakota, uh, first of early part of May, uh, hopefully. And also, uh, uh, check out in the new issue of Minnesota Monthly, I have a, a humorous essay about April Fool's Day. Very cool. There you have it, folks. And follow yeah. you on Twitter. It's at B. Miller Comedy, right? Yeah, at B. Miller Comedy. This has been the Off Balance 3. Follow the show on Twitter at ob3place2b and Aaron at Aaron Hodges. Listen and subscribe to the show on Stitcher, iTunes, Podbean, or crookedscoreboard.com. Oh,